Okay. It's uh, 612. I'm going live a little bit early just to kind of chit-chat with my friends out there, my fellow Bible lovers and Bible prophecy lovers. So somebody has a <laughs> good grief. We're having trouble again on Rumble. I don't know what it is with Rumble. Anyway, so we'll have to check on that. Anyway, so if you're out there and you have a comment or a question, um, here. If I can. Ash, okay. Somebody's watching. Derek, Rock Island, Tennessee. So, Ash, where are you from? Ohio. Okay. Well, I'm excited. Might not seem like it, but I'm excited. I think some things that for 30 years I've been watching to come to pass are at the door. So things are getting really, 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 really close. Hello, Nicole from California and Bridget from Chattanooga. And let me move my mouse so I can see George from Cincinnati. Eon from Hostan. Hello, <laughs> Eon. Uh, Ian, where are you from? South Carolina. Blessings, everyone. Warren County, Tennessee. Good evening. Joining in from Florida. Man, it was like what, 106 yesterday. Let me see what it was today here in the the DFW area is been hot, but that doesn't bother me. 103 right now. Wow. Canada. What's the temperature in Canada? Probably not 103. Guadalajara, Jalisco, Mexico. Hey, I'm still looking for someone to transfer, transfer, translate, miss the mark into Spanish. George, wow. I've never heard of that city. Wow. Must be a great place to live. 24 degrees Celsius. Okay. Uh, I think that's pretty hot. You want to put that in Fahrenheit? Here. Ah, anyway. Hey, Siri, what is 24 degrees Celsius? Welcome to the New World Order. 75 degrees, it's not 75 degrees. Surely not. Dayton, Ohio, 103. McNary County, Tennessee. McNary? Wasn't that where... Buford Pusser was from? Or was that Kentucky? McNary County, Tennessee. Buford Pusser, you know, walking tall. The sheriff, the famous sheriff. 
I'm pretty sure it was McNary County. I don't know if it was the state of Tennessee or not. I, I think it was. I think it was. Here, I'll look that up right quick. Oh, God, I don't want Here we go. Siri, where was Buford Passer, the sheriff of McNary County, from? I guess that's a bad question. Where was Buford Passer from, the sheriff? Hmm. No. She didn't get it right. Ravenous Blackbird. Okay, yeah, I got it right, huh? Wow. Famous Buford Pusser. Adamsville, Tennessee. Greenville, Tennessee. Anybody got a prophecy question? Things like, are we in the tribulation? If not, when's it going to start? Things like, is the Antichrist on the earth yet? Where do you think he's coming from? I don't know what his name is going to be. I thought he would probably be a Muslim, but that was just a guess. <coughs> Adamsville, Tennessee. Are we? <laughs> are we in the tribulation? Oh wow! Well, where'd you get that question? Ninety-five percent chance the horses have left the barn. I see a lot of signs, you know, like the wars starting. Remember the red horse? Be wars, rumors of horse. The, the red horse says that a sign of the red horse coming out. Power is given to him to take peace from the earth. We see a lot of those things in the red horses, but uh, I don't know. It's, I mean, I know Vicky Parnell and, um, also, uh, Byron Surley and, oh, what's his other name here? All three of them. I'm not under the anointing, and it's not coming to me as fast as it normally does. Terry Bennett, all say the Lord, very convincingly say the Lord has told them that we're in the tribulation. But I don't know. I, I, I'm not in a big hurry to make that statement because being wrong on that one, yeah, we just can't be wrong on that one. Hey, there's something up in the corner saying 50 people are on board. And then there's a thing, a thumb up and a heart, and then some kind of a sun-looking thing with a 10 beside it. It went to jump, jump to 11. Now we've got 52 online. If I would ever remember to mention it on the program, maybe we'd get more people, but I forget to mention. I did mention it for next week. But that's not until Tuesday's broadcast. I'm not ready for any of this. Well, sometimes I think I am. Is anybody ready? I don't know. 
West Texas. Whereabouts, Phyllis? I grew up in Odessa. I heard it said that the bow, the rider, the white horse carries is a rainbow. That's a guess. That's a guess. Okay, yours says 22 watching. Well, mine now says 60 watching. Whatever that means. Who's 22 watching? Because see, we're on we're on YouTube, Facebook. Um, Prophecy Club. I don't know how many are on Prophecy Club watching. I don't even know if it'll even tell us. Yes, America is being invaded. That's all part of the fall. Since we've decided not to follow Jesus, God is making us, is showing what it's like to not be a Christian nation. I see 37 on Facebook. Okay. Okay. Big Spring. Yeah. Yeah. Been through Big Spring many a time. Knocked doors in Big Spring. Used to sell heat and smoke detectors back when I was 18. Which was a long time ago. As you can tell from the color of my hair. Tampa, Florida. Okay. Okay, I think he's saying YouTube has blessings from South Carolina. You know what? It would be so nice if you guys would just all move to Plano so we could all be in the same church. We could all fellowship together. So I don't know why you have to just live all over tarnation out there. Uh, you know, I mean, we have people in Sweden that follow us and you know, around the world. Ohio, Mateo, New Orleans, New Orleans. Sneeds Ferry, North Carolina. Well, I think. I think that we're going to be going to Israel to drill for oil very soon. I don't know when yet, but my guess is this year. Who knows? And I say that because, uh, you know, Jason Meeks had that dream. And that was talking about oil. Um, what was it? There was another one, too. Anyway, I, I think we're real close to going to Israel. I'm very excited about that. We are scattered because salt is sprinkled, not crumpled. Good point. I don't like it, but good point. You're my pastor. The one around me is telling anyone... Anything about the last days, about the end days. Yeah, I, I know. I know. It's sad. You know, there's a scripture that says the shepherds led them astray. To Jeremiah, like 5051, is talking about Israel. Well, the shepherds have led America astray too. 
the, the shepherds have, in my opinion, I think not done God's will. I think that they have done man's will. I think what happens is a group of secular men start themselves a 501c3 government corporation that is not a church. They're businessmen, and they go to the bank. They pool their money and their influence and their credit, and they get a loan for a big bank or from a big bank uh, for a big building. And many times they do have a pastor. Many times they do not. They go out to one of the Bible colleges and they hire a pastor. And so it is started by laymen, organized, financed, and built by laymen. And then they build this big fancy building. People come into the building. They've hired a pastor. And the problem is now they have a big mortgage. And they have that monthly payment coming up every month. Now, I understand this is not true of all of them. I'm not saying all the churches are bad. I know there's a lot of very, very good churches. But they have that big payment coming up. And so whatever is behind the pulpit feels a lot of pressure from the board members to see that that offering plate gets filled because the board members don't want to have to make that payment out of their hip pocket. They want the people to make it. That throws tremendous pressure on whatever is behind the pulpit to get the plates filled, to get the mortgage paid. And so they get into more. Now, this is just a guess. They get into more pleasing the people rather than pleasing God. And my heart is to please God. My church isn't telling anyone anything either. My husband, what to say. I husband what to say there, but I don't. I think she means, or he, she, uh, my husband, wants to stay there. There you go. Wants to stay there, but I don't. Yeah, I, I, I understand. And by the way, ma'am, you're right in going to church with your husband. Praise Jesus from Michigan, USA. Glad to be here. Truth to be taught is rare these days. Bless you, Pastor Sam Prophet Leslie. Thank you. Hello from New Hampshire. God bless. Uh, must be a lot of hard choices on pastors. Pastors are held to a higher accountability. And, you know, when we do it right, we get an extra special crown just for being a pastor. Mm, now, I don't know to what degree, you know, some of them might not get that crown. I don't know. It's either a crown or, or not a crown. Just don't get half a crown or a three-quarter crown. It's either you get it or you don't. That's my understanding. Okay, let's see. It's 627. We got three minutes to start. Any other questions or comments? We have 73 now watching. That's fabulous. I think it one says 73, the other one's 19. That, I'm just guessing 75 now. I'm guessing that the 75, I think that's Facebook. 75 on Facebook, 80 on Facebook, and then the 19, I don't know what that is. Can somebody tell us how many are on from YouTube? Ash, you're on YouTube. How many people are watching on YouTube? 
Do you think artificial intelligence will relate to the Antichrist directly? Okay, 51 on Facebook. I, uh, I think artificial intelligence is going to be the thing that is connected to the image of the beast, which will be connected to the mark of the beast and connect to every cell phone. Every cell phone will be connected up to the, uh, the starlight, starlight, Starlink, Starlink satellites, and they will all connect to the quantum computer. And eventually, no man can buy or sell, save he had the mark and the name of the beast or the number of his name. And, okay, 28 on YouTube, okay? 51 Facebook, 28 YouTube. Again, if I'd have just mentioned it a few times, we'd have even more. But on the average, between the several platforms, there's typically around 14, 1,500 people that watch our our uh, Bible study each week. Okay. So it is 629. Let's... Okay, here. Same in Austria. Australia. Uh, very few preaching in times. I've challenged my pastors. They tell me my face to my face. They avoid the book of Revelation because it's too controversial, including my own brother who was a pastor. Well, the reason they say it's too controversial is because, again, they want the people to come, and that's true. Also, it's because they don't understand it. Get this book, prophecyclub.com. Give it to them, and I would recommend you get it, read it too, and it will show them how do I say? Help them to understand what the revelation is so that they can teach it and know that they're teaching the truth. I think a lot of pastors become pastors because they want to help people and they have a soft heart and they hurt when the sheep hurt and all of that's good. But there's more to being a pastor than just making them feel good. You got to know the whole Bible. You got to teach the whole Bible. Okay, in Revelation, what does it mean when God says, do not touch the wine or the oil? I think that's a very good question. And when was, what, what was the wine? You remember that when they were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, they said that these men are drunk. And they said, no, no, it's, it's only about, uh, what, nine o'clock in the morning. I mean, this is the paraphrased version. In other words, they were saying that they were drunk on wine, and they weren't. They were filled with Holy Ghost. So wine is representative of the Holy Ghost. Oil. Well, what was oil? Do you remember the people that had the lamps? Five had oil in the lamps. Five did not. So the oil represents their works. In other words, they were working as in they were saved. They, they were. So wine is oil. Excuse me. Wine is filled with Holy Ghost. Oil is salvation. That's my best interpretation of that. And I think we're all a little bit guessing here. But anyway, uh, wine and oil is the Jew and the Jew and the Christian. Uh, that's guessing. Uh, that's a pretty good guess. Might be correct, but of course I'm guessing too. All right, let's get started. Okay. <clears throat> Let me jump over here. Okay, here we go. First of all, before we start reading the Bible, it's uh, crucial, crucial to pray because I believe that you cannot understand the ink on paper because the Bible is not just ink on paper. It is the Spirit of God. 
And we cannot understand that without asking the Spirit of God to come in and speak to us. So first, let's pray. So, yes, Lord, you said that wherever two more are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you to be in the meeting today with all of us, whether they're watching live or whether they're watching a recording many years from now. And we worship you. We say, worthy is the Lamb to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Because you were slain, has redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and has made us under God kings and priests. And we know, that, Lord, that wisdom and might are yours. You change the times and seasons. You removeth kings and setteth up kings. You giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding, and you revealeth the deep and secret things. You knoweth what is the darkness, and the light dwelleth with you. So, Lord... We ask you to give us your Holy Spirit of understanding. Show us the deep and secret things within your word. Help us to understand what was going on when it was written and also how it relates to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today, I just refreshed my memory on this before we started. Today, we're going to be talking, starting to teach from Acts chapter 20. I believe that this is directly speaking us, to us today in many ways because Paul was trying to bring a message to a people that did not want to hear it. Does that sound familiar? Yes, it does. Today, we are trying to be, bring the gospel to a people that don't want to hear it. Same thing. And Paul was beaten, imprisoned, rejected. I think we need to get prepared for the same thing to happen to us today. Okay, so let's get started. Share screen. We want the window. That's the window we want. And boom. And this is the way we want it to look. I think you can still read that so we can talk through. Okay, so here we go. Acts chapter 20, verse 1. And after the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him disciples and embraced them and departed for to go to Macedonia. So fellowship and embracing one another is important. And when he had gone over to those parts and given them much exhortation, he came into Greece and there abode three months. And when the Jews laid wait for him, okay, so the Jews were his primary problem. The primary problem in Christianity today is other Christians. It's really not... It's not the Jews, and it's not the secular people yet. It's really the Christians. There are both three months, and when the Jews laid wait for him, he was about to sail to Syria, and he purposed to return through Macedonia, and there accompanied him into Asia Sopater, a Berean of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus, and Secundus, and Gaius of Derby, and Timotheus, and Asia, and Antichius, and Trogmiphius, these going before carried for us at Troas. We sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came into them in Troas in five days, where we abode seven days. Now, stay with me, because we're going to get to some important things here. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, by the way, what day was the first day of the week? That would be Saturday. Saturday or the first day of the week for them began Friday night, which is what we're doing right now. Okay, so we are observing the Sabbath right now by doing this. 
Uh, first day of the week when disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached to them, ready to be to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together, and there sat a widow, a certain there sat in a window, a certain young man named Etuchius, I think, having fallen into a deep sleep as Paul was long preaching, and he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embraced him and said, Trouble you not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was cut up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a, while, a long while, even till break of day, so he departed. And they brought the young man alive were, and were not a little comforted. In other words, they were very, very happy the guy was alive. And when he went before the ship and sailed to Asos, they're intending to take in Paul. For so he had appointed binding himself to go foot. And when he met him, and when he met with Asos, he took him in and came to Methylene. We sailed thence and came to the next day over against Chaos. And the next day we arrived at Samos and tarried at Trogilium. And the next day we came to Miletus, for Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because we would not spend time in Asia, for he hasted if it were possible for him to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were coming to him, he said unto them, You know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. Now, let me just say something about that. You're going to see that said two or three more times here. And it bothers me when people say, well, God told me something, but I'm not, not, I'm not going to tell you. Or, well, God gave me this uh, word or this dream revision three months ago or three years ago, but he just now released me to release it. That bothers me. I, I, I'll, I'll just say it that way. That bothers me. I've never been given anything, nor has Leslie, where God said, don't release it. <laughs> I've said a couple of times, you know, if you'll tell me when the tribulation starts, if you'll tell me when, uh, you know, when this is going to happen or when the, something like that, I, I won't tell him, but he's never told me everything he said. I could release it right then. So it bothers me when people say, yeah, well, God won't let me release it. They're like, are you trying to just call attention to yourself or something? And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I've showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that should befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying, The bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me. Neither count on my life dear unto myself. Now, let me read that again. Does that sound familiar? Neither count I my life dear unto myself. Does that ring a bell? And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Paul was of the attitude, I will die for the gospel. I will die for Jesus. I will go where he sends me. I will say what he tells me to the death. Oh, but the, unless he's unless he's going to go in the pre-trib rapture. 
see the, again the pre-trib rapture just it doesn't fit anyway it's it's a it's a piece of the puzzle have you ever have you ever been putting together a piece of puzzle and and you get so frustrated because this is like the last piece it's got to fit in there and you want to get a pair of scissors <laughs> i've done that and trim that piece down and make it fit well that's what pre-trib is people are are trying to trim that piece of the puzzle and make it fit and it doesn't fit i can tell you when we go here here let me i, I yeah, I'll get off if I do that. We, we will do that another day, okay? But I can explain to you, we go, we leave this earth and go to the marriage supper of the Lamb on the last Pentecost, which is about four months before Jesus returns on the Feast of Trumpets for Armageddon. That's not our topic today, so I'll keep moving. Therefore, I take a new record this day that I'm pure from the blood of all men, in other words, I haven't done anybody any harm. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. In other words, I haven't held back anything. That's the second time he said it. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. What? See, if you're a watchman, you are called to be a watchman and to warn. If you are an overseer, like a pastor or a church leader, then you're called of God by the Holy Spirit to be an overseer, to, to be a watch, to watch over them for their safety and also for their souls. I'll read it again. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. What does it mean, feed them? Well, yeah, physically feed them, but it means feed them with the word of God. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, you yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto you my necessities and to them where that were with me. Now, what's he saying? He says, I haven't coveted anybody's silver or gold. I'm, I'm not after this world's riches. I'm after doing the will of the Lord. And he says that there have been times that I've explained to you what I need and you took care of me. Thank you. And I will say the same thing to all of the Prophecy Club people. When I have said I had a need, you took care of it. Thank you. Of course, now we're doing the big push asking people to join and to become members and that would be a very good idea. <clears throat> anyway, and I've showed you all things. That's the third time. I haven't held anything back to me. Third time he said that. I've showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing, sorrowing most for of all of the words which he spake, that they should cease his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. 
So God had told Paul to go to another place, and they were all crying because they didn't want to see him leave. Chapter 21. And it came to pass that after we were gotten from them and had launched, we came with a straight course unto Coos, and the day following unto Rhodes, and from thence unto Patara, and finding a ship sailing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set forth. Now, when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed into Syria and landed at Tyre, for their ship was unable was unladen her burden. And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. This is important. Okay, so he tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. And when he had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way. And they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city and we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. And when we had taken our leave, one another, we took ship and they returned home again. And when we had finished our course from Tyre, we came to Ptolemus and saluted the brethren and abode with him one day. And the next day we had there Paul's company departed and came to Caesarea and entered into the house of Philippi the evangelist which was one of the seven, and abode with him. Now, here comes the important part. And the same man had four virgins, four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. Now, you remember what the Spirit told him, don't go to Jerusalem. These four prophets, well, let me read. And when he was come down to us, he took Paul's girdle, bound it, and bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle, and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Okay, back up. So, where was it? Someplace in here. Holy Spirit told him, Don't go to Jerusalem. Over here, <laughs> Holy Spirit warned him through Agabus the prophet, Don't go to Jerusalem. But watch Paul's answer. You talk about a man of great faith. This is a man of great faith. And when he was coming to us, he took Paul's girdle, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the, the Jews, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owneth this girdle, and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of the place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered and said, What meaneth ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Did you catch that? That's big. Let me play it again. So the Holy Ghost told Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Then he sent these four daughters that were prophets and Agabus. Agabus not only told him don't go, but even demonstrated how his hands would be tied up if he sent to Jerusalem. Now, <laughs> if the Holy Spirit told you not to go someplace, would you go there? I think we probably would not. Then when another prophet came to us and prophesied, not only just prophesied, but actually took and bound his hands to show us this is what's going to, you, you go to Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen. You know, 
probably most of us would say, Cam, I I, I hear you. I'm not going to go. Not Paul. And I think that this, again, speaks against the pre-trib rapture. It does. This was not Paul's attitude. Paul was not looking to get pulled up into the sky so he wouldn't go through any trouble. Paul was saying, I'm willing to be bound. I'm willing to die. What he says, not only to be bound, but I'm willing to die for the name of Jesus. And I think the right attitude is to say the same thing. I'm willing, as I've told the Lord many times, I'm willing to go to the end of the earth for you. You paid too much for me. I'll start getting emotional. If I, if I, if I, I'll start getting emotional. I can't say it. I can't say it or I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll start crying. I just, I'll go to the end of the world for you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll say whatever you want me to say. I just ask that you be with me. And you know, in 30 years of being with Prophecy Club now, 160 guest speakers, 330 DVDs, 70 crusades, 73-day crusades, given 5,000 prophecies, written four books, memorized the book of Revelation. In all of that time, neither me nor Leslie has ever received one dream, one vision, one prophecy that we would ever go through any trouble. In other words, I think those people that have purposed in their heart, like Paul did, to be bound, to die for Jesus, won't be bound and won't have to die for Jesus. Now, I can't turn around and say, but if you're not willing to, you're going to. I, I can't say that. I don't know. But I can tell you, is I think it's very strange. 30 years, all the things that Leslie and I have done for the Lord, all having to do with the end times, all warning people, you follow Americans, start with an eternal revolution, you know, all the stuff. As a matter of fact, when Leslie was going to sleep one night, this was probably 18 to 20 years ago, we were in another financial bind, which we, for the most part of the, the, the 30 years we've been doing this, seemed to be in a financial bind most of the time. So anyway, so she was going to sleep one night and she asked the Lord, she says, you know, are you done with us? I mean, you know, we can't pay the bills. Are you done with us? I mean, should I just tell Stan to just close Prophecy Club and just go get a job? I mean, you know, we're not making it. And that night, he gave her a dream. Now, it has been Leslie and I's long dream. If we ever do a slowdown, I don't plan to retire because the Bible says, and he that overcometh and keepeth my works to the end, the same will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And as the vessels of a potter, they should be broken to shivers. That means ashes. Even as I received of my father, and I'll give him the morning star. And I want the morning star. You get the morning star because you saw the Antichrist, heard the Antichrist, resisted him, and you kept his works all the way to the end of your life. 
I want the morning star. I want to be an overcomer. So I don't want to quit. Now, I wouldn't mind a slowdown, <laughs> but, but I don't want to retire. So anyway, he gave her a dream. We were at a, uh, on, on, a, on, a on an island, like a tropical island, which has been our dream probably since we got married. To one day, when our slowdown comes, to move to some kind of an island paradise. We love, we, we like the beach. I know some people like the mountains and snow. We like the beach. So anyway, we were living in a, um, a, a tropical island. And she said, all of a sudden it came on TV that missiles were heading our way. The delivery time should be approximately 30 minutes. And they told everybody, take shelter. And so, uh, in my opinion, I think we did the wrong thing in the dream. Now, in the same situation, I would simply fall to my knees and begin to pray and worship God. If I'm going to go out, I'm not going to go out trying to protect myself and run to the hills or something like that. I'm not going to try to protect myself from my own power. I'm going to worship God right up to the end. That's my attitude. But in the dream, we, she said that uh, she was old and her hair was totally gray and she says that i was old and my hair was totally white as you can see it's not there yet and she said i had the old man shuffle you know where you can't pick up your feet and they just kind of shuffle along i mean pretty close to what biden's doing right now and um she's anyway uh, so we left the house and we were trying to quickly run up into the hills of this tropical island and she said, and people were coming out of their houses, also running up into the mountains. And she says, I was rounding people up for Stan to talk to about Bible prophecy and to get saved. And she says, all of a sudden, the missiles finally arrived and there was a big explosion in the sky. And she says, in this, what came out of the missiles was this sand. And it just went all over every place. It was like fine as powder. And out of that came a really, really, really strong insecticide smell. And she said she woke up out of the dream so strong she could smell it. And she said uh, even today, if she closes her eyes and, and you know, sniffs, she can still, she still knows what that smell smells like even today. I believe that God is saying that if we will purpose in our heart, to give our heart, our whole life, not just our life and our eternal life, but also our death to Jesus. Like Paul did, I'm willing to go and not just be bound, but I'm willing to die for the Lord Jesus. If we can find those words in our prayer closet to say, I don't care, I'm going to serve until my heart no longer beats. I will go, I will do whatever he tells me to do, even to the death. If you can get to the place, and I have asked many times, Lord, please allow me the honor. I'll start getting emotional. The honor of glorifying your name by giving my life in victory to you. Dimitri had that attitude. The great servants, 
the people God really uses big and powerful, just like Paul. That's the attitude to have right there. Paul answered, said, what mean you to weep and to break my heart? Are you trying to break my heart? Are you trying to tell me not to go to Jerusalem? You're breaking my heart. I'm willing to be bound. I'm willing to die for Jesus. You're telling me not to go? That's what I live for. That's what I die. That's that's what I, I, I that's why I live. I'm ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And he would not be persuaded. They could not talk him out of it. Finally, they said, We ceased. We ceased saying and simply said, The will of the Lord be done. They gave up. And after those days, we went up and took our carriages and went to Jerusalem. And there went with us certain of the disciples, Caesarea, and brought him with him to one Mason of Cyprus, an old disciple with whom we should lodge. And when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. The following day, Paul went in with us. Excuse me. I used to not be so emotional. It came on me when I memorized the book of Revelation. I mean, everything changed. And we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. And the day following, Paul went in with us and to James, and all the elders were present. And when we had saluted them, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. When they had heard it, they glorified God and said unto them, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous of the law. And they are all informed of thee, that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought to not circumcise their children, neither to walk after the customs. What is it, therefore, the multitude must needs come together? For they will hear that thou art come. Do therefore this that we say unto thee. We have four men which have a vow on them. Take them, purify thyself with them, and be at charges with them, that they may shave their heads, and all may know that those things thereof were informed concerning thee are nothing, but that thou, might that thou thyself also walkest orderly and keepest the law. What are they saying? You better watch your nose. You better watch your P's and Q's. You're going to Jerusalem. There's a lot of people there who heard about you. They're after you. <laughs> they got you in their sights. As touching the Gentiles, we believe, we have written and concluded that they observe no such thing, save only that they keep themselves from things offered to idols and from blood and from strangled and from fornication. That means sex outside of marriage. It also means going after the gods, too. Then Paul took the men, and the next day, purifying himself with them, entered into the temple to signify the accomplishment of the days of the purification, until that an offering should be offered for every one of them. And when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews, which were of Asia, when, he saw, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him. Okay, so what did he do? This would be like 
if they were to pass a law saying everybody got to go down and get that mark of the beast, this would be like me and you walking smack dab into where people are taking the mark of the beast and say, I ain't taking it. Not me. Here I am. I'm not taking it. You do what you want to to me, but I'm not taking that mark. I'm not taking your ID. I'm not taking your anti-V. <laughs> I have to watch more words. Because we don't have free speech in America anymore. Walking right into their face, saying, I'm willing to die for the name of Jesus Christ. And that takes some courage. So they laid hands on him, crying out, men of Israel, help. In other words, they're trying to get all of the Jews against, G uh, against uh, Paul. Men of Israel, help. This is the man that teacheth all men everywhere against the people and the law in this place and further brought Greeks also into the temple and have polluted this holy place. He's been preaching against Moses. Well, he actually wasn't preaching against Moses. He was just preaching that there's a more excellent way. He is saying that, that you can't get to heaven through those Moses laws anymore. You got to go through the door. Jesus said, I'm the door. For they had seen before him in the city, Tromaphus and Ephesian, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. And all the city was moved and the people ran together and they took Paul and drew him out of the temple and forthwith the doors were shut. And as they went about to kill him, tidings came into the chief captain of the band that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. Now, now, okay, so the Holy Spirit told him don't go. The daughters of the prophet told him don't go. Agabus the prophet told him don't go, even said they're going to tie you up like this. You go, they're going to tie you up. They're going to beat you. He still went. Why? Why? Because he wanted to take the gospel to the very people it was originally sent to. His people. And that's what he's about to say here. He's going to get permission to speak to them all. He speaks to them in Hebrew, their native tongue, explains who he is, that he was trained by one of the best. Trying to say Jesus really is Lord. Okay, let's go on. The city was moved and the people ran together. They took Paul and drew him out of the temple and forthwith the doors were shut. And as he went about to kill him, tidings came into the chief captain of the band that all Jerusalem was in an uproar, who immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. When they saw the chief captain and the soldiers, they left beating of Paul. Then the chief captain came near and took him. Okay, so Paul's getting beaten. Excuse me, Paul's getting beaten. And took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains and demanded him who he was and what he had done. Who are you? How come they hate you so much? And some cried one thing, some another among the multitude. And when he could not know the certainty for the tumult, he commanded him to be carried into the castle. When he came upon the stairs, so it was that he was born of the soldiers for the violence of the people. For the multitude of the people followed after crying, away with him. And like they said with Jesus, crucify him. Okay, Away with him meant killing. And as Paul was to be led into the castle, he said unto the chief captain, 
may I speak with you? Who said, can you speak Greek? So apparently Paul was able to speak to him in Greek. Art not thou of the Egyptian, which before these days made us an uproar and led us out of the wilderness, 4,000 men that were murderers? So the Paul is saying, I know who you are. I know something you've done that was good. Okay, you're a good man. That's what he's saying. You're a good man. But Paul said, I'm a man which am a Jew of Tarsus, a city of Cilicia, as citizens of no mean city, and I beseech thee, suffer me to speak unto the people. In other words, let me speak. Let me talk to them. That's why Paul went to Jerusalem when he knew he was going to be beaten. He knew he was going to be bound. Why? He wanted to talk to them. He wanted to tell them that the prophet that Moses prophesied would come, has come. His name is Jesus, whom they crucified. That was the message he wanted to deliver, and he got to deliver. And here it is. And when he had given him license, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with the hand unto the people, made a great silence. He spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue, saying, Men, brethren and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I now make unto you. And when they heard they spake the Hebrew tongue, they kept the silence even more, and he said, Okay, so now he's speaking to them in Hebrew. I'm verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. And the Gamaliel, he was a popular guy, okay? So it would be like us, well, you know, I sat at the feet of Abraham Lincoln, all right? Or I sat at the feet of Ronald Reagan. There's someone that a lot of people respected, okay? So I sat at the feet of Gamaliel and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers and was zealous toward God, like they were zealous, and like you and I are zealous, okay? Zealous toward God, as you are this day. And I, persuade, pers and, and I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. In other words, you remember, I was the guy that was given letters by the high priest. I went out with soldiers, and I found the Christians. I arrested them, I bound them, and I brought them to be whipped and killed. I'm the guy. So listen to me. Yes, I said under Gamaliel, I said under, you know, like Ronald Reagan, look, I used to crucify these people. I used to beat them. I, I used to be, but now listen, listen, there's something happened to me you need to hear. Okay, now think about that. He's telling his testimony. He's about to say, I was out on the road to Damascus. I saw a light. Brothers and sisters, do you have a testimony? Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. You have a testimony. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. If someone were to come up to you and say, so why do you believe in Jesus? I mean, how do you know? Give them his testimony. Give them your testimony. If someone were to say, well, do you remember the very day you got saved? Yeah, I was nine years old. I can tell you exactly where I was. I can tell you this: the chair I was sitting in, what the room looked like. I can tell you where I got baptized at nine years old. As a matter of fact, I was telling my wife the other day, I was either three or four when I can remember sitting on red carpet in Parker Heights Christian Church, Odessa, Texas, when we sang, Jesus loves me, this I know, 
for the Bible tells me so. And then Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. I remember. I think that's really when I first came to know God. I may have actually been saved from that moment at the age of three. I don't know, three or four. I mean, it's, it's like one of the first things I can remember in my life. God never stops forgiving. He never stops forgetting. He knows it all. Okay, so let's read that. I'm verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, which brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the, of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, as you are all this day. And I persuade, persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons men and women, in other words, Christians, as also the high priest doth bear me witness, and all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren and went to Damascus. In other words, he had arrest warrants. Okay? Anybody who's a Christian, he could arrest them. And went to Damascus to bring them, which were bound to Jerusalem for to be punished. You're a Christian, you got arrested. You got taken to Jerusalem and beaten and possibly killed. I play racquetball with a Russian. I asked him the other night, I said, now you have received Jesus. Yes. Then what the guy sat next to me, he's also a Christian. And so he turned to him. He said, but you have to know where I grew up. If you're a Christian, you lose your job. You starve to death. Nobody could be Christian. And he went on telling the story. We are overblessed in America. We can read the Bible anytime we want to. We can go to church anytime we want to. We can go to church in broad daylight. We can tell people any place, anytime we want to, that we're a Christian and nothing happens to us. Yet. And it came to pass that as I made my journey, it was come nigh to Damascus about noon. Suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell to the ground. I heard a voice saying to me, Saul. Saul, why persecutest thou me? I answered, who art thou, Lord? Okay, so he was asking, are you my Lord? Are you the God that I think that I serve? Who art thou, Lord? He said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that are with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. Okay, so. This is the guy that had been raised up by Gamaliel. He spoke their language. He walked and talked among them. He felt against Christians as they felt against Christians. Now here he is telling them, wait a minute. I saw the light. That's where that phrase comes from. I saw the light. This is the very thing it's referring to. I saw the light. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, arise. And go into Damascus, and there it shall be told of thee all things which are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see the, for the glory of the light, okay, did you catch that? In other words, he was blinded. That's another phrase here, blinded by the light. That's where it came from. These are the words, okay? I saw the light. I was blinded by the light. That comes from this experience from Paul. When I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus, and one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, 
having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour, now the way we say that is immediately. That's the way we would say it. And the same hour I looked upon him and he said, the God of our fathers has chosen thee that thou shouldest know his will and see that the just one and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. Now, let me say something. If you're on this Bible study right now, okay, we've been going 45 minutes. If you've endured the word of God for 45 minutes like this, you are chosen of God. You are a watchman. You are one to carry the gospel. Maybe God hasn't had to slap you in the face by showing you a light blinding you like he did Paul, but you are called. Everyone is called. There is no bench in God's game. Nobody gets to sit on the bench. And may I suggest, you should be going to a church. Now, you just should be going to a church. I mean, I love the fact you call me a pastor. You know, I love you to send your tithes and offerings. You know, we could certainly use them. But if I'm going to tell you the truth, I'm going to tell you, you really should be a part of a church. Yeah, but the churches in my area, they're 501c3 government corporations, and they don't have anything to do with the end times, and they teach pre-trib, and they teach out of the end. I bet, yes, I know. But they call themselves Christians. They name the name of Jesus, right? Then you should be fellowshipping. Now, there's hopefully many churches, and you can visit and visit and visit and check their doctrinal statements until you find one that is at least as close to as you can get. And by the way, this is my definition of a church. Get you a King James Bible, read it, study it, and memorize the best you can, and do your best to get the others in the congregation to do it. That's the simplest definition of a church. Yes, it should have praise and worship. Yes, it should have prayer. Yes, it should have Bible study. A lot of things to it, but at the end of the day, that's the simplest definition of a church. Hebrews 10, 25 says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Meaning, we're supposed to fellowship. There's a time where you need a babysitter. There's a time where you need to babysit. There's a time where you're sick and you need someone to come and help, to come and pray. There's a time when someone is sick. You need to go and help. You need to go and pray. A church is a family. Remember, Jesus was in a room, and they came and knocked on the door and said, Jesus, your mom and your brothers stand outside. Your family's outside. I want to talk to you. He turned. He says, this is my family. So your family is not just your blood. Remember, the Bible also says there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I've not talked to my older brother, and I guess I did talk to him six months ago. I've talked to my younger brother in two or three years. Talked to my sister about a year ago. I mean, our, our family is not real close. My family is the Spirit of Prophecy Church and the Prophecy Club. I heard it said the best way to find a friend is to be a friend. If you want to be loved, love. 
there was an old man at the gate. And it was said of this old man that he was so wise, he could answer any question. But these two young teenage boys came up with an idea. They purposed they were going to fool the old man. So they got a little baby bird in their hand. And they went to the old man and they said, Old man, is this bird alive or is this bird dead? And the old man said, In your hands is the power of life and death. Because if I say that bird is dead, you'll just open your hands and he'll fly away. But if I say the bird is alive, then you'll crush it in your hand. Same old man. Another man came up and said, Oh man, the people of this city, I'm thinking about moving here. The people of this city, are they kind and loving and giving and do they help one another? He said, you know, that's that's a good description of the kind of people in this city. And the man walked on. A few minutes later, another man walked up, asked the old man, said, oh, man, people in this city, are they just a bunch of grouches and complainers? And are they lazy and unemployment real high and you can't get a job? He said, you know, that's a pretty good description of what we got here. In other words, sometimes if you want to have a friend, be a friend. If you want, if you walk into a church saying, okay, boy, I'm going to find everything wrong with this church. Guess what you find? Everything wrong with that church. But if you walk in saying, you know what? I'm going to walk in and I'm going to find me some people to love on. I'm going to find some people to fellowship with. I'm going to find some people to love the Lord with. People that can help me and I can help them. You know, if you get on railroad tracks, just one person, you walk a few steps and you fall. Walk a few steps and you fall. But if two people get on the railroad tracks, one on the left, one on the right, and they hold hands, they wrap arms, put hands on each other's shoulder, they can walk for miles and not fall off because they can help each other. That's what a church is. So to all of you out there that think you're an island to yourself, think you don't have to go to church, yes, I'm a pastor. Yes, there were times, that was probably 10 years of my life, I didn't go to church. Had no interest. Those were wrong days, by the way. <laughs> what do I suggest? I would suggest, yes, you're going to find a lot of problems in a lot of the churches. You're going to walk out shaking your head a lot. You're going <laughs> you're probably going to wish that you had this kind of a church in your area. But you got to find one. Look, God has the big phone book in the sky. Just as he can find you the right woman or the right man to marry, he can find you the right job, find you the right car, the right house. He can find you the right church. Pray. Maybe pray and fast. Lord, I want to find the right church. Show me. He will show you the right church. Okay, let's go back to this now. I'll start at the top again. And he said, the God of our fathers has chosen thee, that that should us know his will and see that just one, and should us hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be as witness unto all men what thou hast seen and heard. That's you and me too. For thou shalt be as witness to all men what thou hast seen and heard. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And it came to pass 
that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance. And I saw him saying to me, make haste and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. And I said, Lord, they know that I imprisoned and beat in synagogues. See, this is him talking to God. <laughs> I know. Uh, you, you say they won't receive it. You're telling me leave Jerusalem. But I'm telling you, if there's anybody to convince them, I'm going to be the one to convince them. There's a lot of people in your life. If there's anybody that's going to convince them, it will be you. There's somebody in your life, you're the only person that they listen to. That means you need to go to them. You need to go to them now. Lord, I know they were in prison and beaten many synagogues, and they believed on thee. And when the blood of the martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting to his death and kept the, raim the raiment of them that slew him. And he said unto them, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. And they gave him audience into this word, and they lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. In other words, kill him. And as they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw dust into the ear. Now think about that. Can you imagine somebody so mad at you? They didn't just holler and scream, but they tore their clothes off, threw them on the ground, stomped on them, then started throwing dust in the ear. That's how mad they were at Paul. Those Jews, they can really get mad. The chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade that he should be examined. That means beating, generally with cat and nine tail. Examined by scourging that he might know wherefore they cried so against him. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man or to beat a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went and told his chief captain, saying, Take heed now. Watch what you're doing. This man is a Roman. Then the chief captain came and said to them, Tell me, are you a Roman? He said, Yep, that's me. I'm Roman. And the chief captain answered and said, With a great sum, I obtained this freedom. And Paul said, But I was freeborn. In other words, I was born into I was born a Roman. Then straightway they departed from him, which should be examined him. And the chief captain also was afraid. After he knew that he was a Roman, because he had bound him. In other words, Romans had extra privileges that the average people didn't have. On the morrow, because he would have known the certainty, wherefore he would excuse the Jews, he loosed him from his bands and commanded the chief priests and all their council to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. And Paul earnestly, beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived and a good conscience before God until this day. In other words, I'm standing before you, an innocent man. And I stand before God innocently. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. Then said Paul unto them, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall. For sittest thou to judge me after the law, and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law? And they that stood by said, Revilest thou God's priest? Then said Paul, I wish not. In other words, I wished you weren't the priest. That's the way we would say it. I wish not, brethren, that he was the high priest, for it is written that thou should not speak evil of the real ruler of thy people. 
But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out with the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called into question. When he had also said this, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. So God gave him the words to say to get him out of this beating. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. And there arose a great cry, and the scribes that were the Pharisees' part arose and strove, saying, We find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let us not fight against God. And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and to bring him to the castle. And the night following the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me, this is important, testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also in Rome. Now, Holy Spirit told him he was going to get beat. Four prophetess daughters told him he was going to get beaten. Agabus showed him he would be hogtied and beaten. Turns up, Paul went anyway. Paul went because he was one of the few people that could give that testimony. Like I'm one of the few people that still today met Dimitri Dudeman, can tell you I met him, I had him in my home on two occasions, went to his home. I met Ron White, had him in my home, went on a tour with him. I've been to Noah's Ark. I've been to the crossing side of the Red Sea. I've had Ron White stand in a, in a, I've been in that cave with Ron and the other people where he said you're within a stone's throw of the Ark of the Covenant. I've climbed Mount Sinai, August, no, excuse me, October the 8th, 2022. Uh, I've been both the entrance and both the exit side to where Moses went into the Red Sea and came out of the Red Sea, according to Ron White. In other words, God has put me in a position to where if someone would say, how do I really, really, really know that the Bible is true? I stand in a position, perhaps like very few people on earth, that can answer that question. Leslie and I can say, we got a piece of Noah's Ark. We know it's real. We got some of the sulfur balls from the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. We know it's real brought back a piece of one of the rocks off of Mount Sinai. It didn't look like much, but it came from Mount Sinai. Paul went to try to save his brothers and sisters that had refused to see Jesus as the Christ. And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. That's a problem. Think about that. That's a problem. How'd you like to have some people that have made a vow they would not break, that they would not eat or drink until they had killed you? Yet Paul went. And as a result, Paul got to witness to the Jews. And now God is about to send him to witness to Caesar. That's a lot of souls to win. 
And they were more than 40. So this is 40 people that have made this vow to kill Paul or not eat or drink, which made this vow a conspiracy. And they came to the chief priests and elders and said, we have bound ourselves under great curse that we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. Now, therefore, ye were the council signified to the chief captain that he bring him down unto the morrow as though he would inquire something more perfectly concerning him and we or ever he come near are ready to kill him. And when Paul's sister's son heard of their lying in wait, he went and entered into the castle and told Paul. He said, look at bud, you're in trouble. Forty men, they after you. They after you bad. They made a vow. They're not going to eat. They're not going to drink till they kill you. That'll get your attention. Then Paul called one of the centurions and him and said, bring this young man unto the chief captain, for he hath a certain thing to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the chief captain and said, Paul the prisoner called me unto him and prayed me to bring this young man unto thee who has something to say unto thee. Then the chief captain took by the hand, took him by the hand and went with him aside privately and asked him, what is that thou hast to tell me? And he said, the Jews have agreed to desire thee that thou wouldest bring down Paul tomorrow unto the council, as though they would inquire somewhat of him perfectly. But do not thou yield unto them, for there they lie in wait for him, more than forty men, which have bound themselves by an oath that they will neither eat nor drink until they have killed him. And now are they ready, looking for a promise from thee. You take Paul down there, and he's a dead man. So the chief captain then let the young man depart and charged him. Don't tell anybody. See, thou tell no man that thou hast showed these things to me. And he called unto them two centurions saying, make ready 200 soldiers. Okay, so we got 40 men that are going to neither eat or drink until they kill Paul. So he calls 200 soldiers. Okay, big deal. Saying, make 200 soldiers ready to go to Caesarea and horsemen, three score and ten. Horsemen. Okay, so that's 200 soldiers on foot. Three score and 10, what's that? That's 70. So he's got 70 of them on horses, 200 men on foot, going to see to it that Paul gets out of there safely. Three score and 10 spearmen, 200, and, and at the third hour of the night, and provide them beasts that they may set Paul on and bring him safe unto Felix the governor. So he bumped it up to the circuit judge. <laughs> That's what we would say today. Heading up to the to the, the Supreme Court. Felix the governor, he wrote a letter after this manner. Claudius Lysias, unto the most excellent governor Felix, sendeth greeting. This man was taken to the Jews and should have been killed of them. Then came I with an army and rescued him, having understood that he was a Roman. In other words, you're supposed to take care of him. And when I would have known the cause wherefore they accused him, I brought him forth unto their council, whom I perceived to be accused of questions of their law, but to have nothing laid to his charge worthy of death or bonds. And when it was told me how the Jews laid wait for the man, I sent straightway to thee and gave command to these accusers also to say before thee what they hast against him. Farewell. So that was the letter. Then the soldiers as it was commanded them, took Paul and brought him by night to Antiparis. On the morrow, they left the horsemen to go to him and return to the castle. 
who when they came to Caesarea and delivered the epistle to the governor, presented Paul also before him. Now, understand all of this is the hand of God to get Paul to give his testimony before Caesar. That's where all of this is going. And when they came to Caesarea, delivered the epistle to the governor, presented Paul before him. And when the governor had read the letter, he, ought, he asked of the province he was. And when he had understood that who is of Cilicia, he says, I will hear thee, said he, when thine accusers are also come. And it commanded him to be kept in Herod's judgment hall. Chapter 24. How are we doing on time? Okay. <clears throat> and after five days, Ananias the high priest descended with the elders and with a certain orator named Terutulus, who informed the governor against Paul. And when he was called forth, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, See that by thee we enjoy great quietness, and that very worthy deeds are done under this nation by the providence. We accept it always in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. So it's got another letter. Notwithstanding that I be not further tedious unto thee, I pray thee that thou wouldest hear of us thy clemency a few words. So tell us what's really going on here. Is this guy, is, should he get clemency? Should he be freed or not? We have found this man to be a pestilent fellow and a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout all the world and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes, who also have gone about to profane the temple, whom we took and whom we have judged according to our law. But the chief captain Lysias came upon us and in great violence took him away out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come unto thee by examining of whom thyself may take knowledge of all these things whereof we accuse him. So the Jews are saying this guy's a rotten guy. And of course, it's, it's not going to be accepted. Commanding his accusers to come unto thee by examining of whom thyself mayest take knowledge of all these things whereof we accuse him. And the Jews also assented, saying that these things were so. Then Paul, after the governor had beckoned him to speak, answered, Forasmuch as I know that thou hast been of many years a judge unto this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. Because that thou mayest understand that there are yet but twelve days since I was up to Jerusalem for to worship. And they neither found me in the temple disputing with any man, neither raising up the people neither in the synagogues nor in the city. Neither can they prove the things whereof they now accuse me. But this I do confess unto thee, that after the way which they call me, which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope toward God. Remember the Bible says that we are not to be concerned when we are taken before magistrates, that he will in that time give us the words to say. So God is giving Paul the exact words to say to do what God wants him to do. I have every belief that every one of these words is straight from God. And have hope toward God, which they themselves allow, that there shall be a resurrection to the dead, both of the just and the unjust. And wherein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God toward me. In other words, I hadn't done anything. These guys just mad at me because they don't agree with me spiritually. That's what he's really saying. Now, after many years, I came to bring alms to my nation and offerings, whereupon certain Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with a multitude nor with tumult. 
In other words, I didn't stir up any trouble. I didn't cause I nobody. I didn't cause any problems. Who ought to have been before here before me? <coughs> who ought to have been there here before me? My voice is giving out. And object if they had ought against me, or else let these same here say, if they found any evil doing me while I stood before the council, except it be for this one voice that I cried standing among them, touching the resurrection of the dead, I'm called into question by you this day. So he's saying, look it, I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't break into the laws. They just don't like me because I see God differently. And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred them and said, when Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. And he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty. Don't treat him bad. Don't put him in shackles. Let him have some liberty. Let him have liberty that he should, that, and that he should forbid none of his acquaintance to minister to come unto him. So he could have all the visitors he wanted. And after certain days when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith of Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have convenient season, I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might lose him. Wherefore, he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. So, <laughs> kind of like Biden is in trouble now. They're trying to say he took bribes. Okay. Well, Felix is openly saying, if you give me some money, I'll let you go. God could have arranged Paul to have the money to give to him to, get God, to, to let him go, but that was not the objective of God. God wanted Paul to give his testimony to Julius Caesar, or to Caesar, I should say. He hoped all someone should be given that he would not lose him, wherefore he sent me the oftener and communed with him. And after two years, Porcia Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. Now when Festus was coming to the province, after three days, he ascended from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed him against Paul and besought him and desired favor against him that he would send him to Jerusalem, laying wait in the way to kill him. Everybody's after Paul. Can you imagine a time when everybody's after you because you're a Christian, because you talk about Jesus? Nothing new under the sun. That which was is that which shall be. It's coming again to a neighborhood near us all and desired favor against him that he would send him to Jerusalem, laying wait for it to kill him. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea, and that he himself would depart shortly thither. Let them therefore, said he, which among you are able, go down with me and accuse this man. If there be any wickedness in him, look, he hadn't done anything, okay? When he had tarried among them more than ten days, he went down to Caesarea, and to the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, commanded Paul to be brought. And when he was come, the Jews came down from Jerusalem, stood round about, and laid many and grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. False witnesses. While he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, nor yet against Caesar, have I offended anything at all. I hadn't done anything wrong. But Festus, 
willing to do the Jews a pleasure, answered Paul and said, Wilt thou go up to Jerusalem and there be judged of these things before me? Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat, where I ought to be judged. To the Jews have I done no wrong, as thou very well knowest. For I, for if I be an offender, or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things whereof these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. Bingo. So we spent what? Five chapters? No, we start, yeah, five chapters. And we just now get to the whole point. God wants Caesar to hear the gospel directly from the mouth of one that saw Jesus, persecuted Christians, beat Christians, and saw the light. For if I be a offender committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die, but there be none of these things wherever they accuse me. No man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. So now he's going to Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered and said, Hast thou appealed to go unto Caesar? Unto Caesar thou shalt go, which was the whole point. After certain days, King Agrippa and Bernice came unto Caesarea to salute Festus. And when they had been there many days, Festus declared Paul's cause unto the king, saying, There is a certain man left in bonds by Felix, about whom, when I was in Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews informed me, desiring to have judgment seat against him. To whom I answered, It is not the manner of the Romans to deliver any man to die, before that he is which accused have accusers face to face, and have license to answer for himself concerning the crime laid against him. Therefore, when they were come hither, without any delay on the morrow, I sat on the judgment seat and commanded that the man be brought forth against whom when the accusers stood up, they brought none accusation of such things as I supposed, but had certain questions against him of their own superstition, and of one Jesus, which was dead, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. And because I doubted of such manner of questions, I asked him whether he would go to Jerusalem and there be judged of these matters. But when Paul had appealed to be reserved to the hearing unto Augustus, that would be Caesar, I commanded him to be kept until I might send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Agrippa said to Festus, I would also hear the man myself. Tomorrow, said he, thou shalt hear him. And on the morrow, when Agrippa was come, and Bernice with a great pomp, and was entered into the place of hearing with the chief captains and the principal men of the city, at Festus' commandment, Paul was brought forth. And Festus said, King Agrippa, and all men which are here present with us, you see this man, about whom all the multitude of the Jews have dealt with me, both at Jerusalem and also here, crying that he ought not to live any longer. But when I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death, and that he himself hath appealed to Augustus, I've determined to send him to you, of whom I have no certain thing to write unto the Lord, my Lord, wherefore, I have brought him forth before you, and specially before the king, O King Agrippa, that after examination had I might have somewhat to write. For it seemeth to me unreasonable to send a prisoner, and not with Saul to signify the crimes laid against him. Chapter 26. 
Then Agrippa said to Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I'm accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be an expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews, whereof I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life for my youth, which was all at all the first among mine own nation in Jerusalem, know all the Jews. They know. I was trained by Gamaliel. I was raised among them. I'm one of them, okay? Which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God and to our fathers, unto which promise our 12 tribes instantly serving God day and night hope to come. For which hope sake, King Agrippa, I'm accused of the Jews. Say, look at I grew up among these people. I know who they are. I was the most strict of all of them. That is, until I saw the light. That's what he's about to say. So why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I did also in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, he put Christians to death. I gave my voice against them. He testified so that the Christians would be put to death. And I punished them oft in every center. Now, let me say something. How many times have we seen people's lives where somebody, say, for example, was a druggie? I mean, I was really, really big into drugs, they'll say. And then I saw the light. I turned around. And now they're serving the Lord. I was a whore. I was going out and doing all these men, you know. And then they saw the light. Turned them around. That's the, the testimony that Paul has given, except for Paul was a murderer of Christians, raised among the Jews, the most strict sect of Pharisees, killing them, testifying against them. Then he saw the light. Now he's for Jesus. That's a very powerful testimony. I punished them often in every synagogue. I compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even to strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission of the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and then which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in Hebrew tongue, saying, Saul, Saul. Why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. So he gives his testimony. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared to thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, 
that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and to Jerusalem throughout all the coast of Judea and then the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things that those which the prophets of Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spoke for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? And that's the question God wanted him to deliver. Do you believe the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. Well, maybe that night, maybe sometime later, later, Agrippa did receive Jesus. Hopefully he did. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day, were both almost and altogether such as I am except these bonds. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up and the governor of Bernice and they that sat with him. And when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves saying, this man doth nothing worthy of death or bonds. Then said Agrippa to Festus, this man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. And when he would determine that he should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners. Oh, wait a minute. That's all another chapter. Let's save that chapter for next week. Stop screen. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I can't even begin to read all that. Okay. So we got 54 people on one and I guess 36 on another or something. I don't know. Okay. So, well, what'd you think of the Bible study? See a lot of people looking. All right, I'm going to flip through here. See if there's a question. Can I point someone as my monitor? I, I probably tell me tell me why I should. So so uh, Ash, tell me tell me why you think I should. 
Okay, so apparently we have some people, how do I how to say this, not of like heart, jump on here. And they're apparently, my guess is he's going to say, we need to have somebody on there that can get them off. They're just annoying. Is that what we're going to say? Probably. So, um, okay, let's put it this way. If you've been following Prophecy Club for a while, if you can email me, you know, not a, not a letter, just paragraph or two as to your faithfulness to Prophecy Club and why you would like to be the monitor or one of the monitors, send me an email to ask Stan, you know, the rest of it. Like if I say it, then I get all kinds of bots and stuff coming to me. Anyway, if you'd like to be the monitor, send me an email and we will communicate back and forth and see about getting one. Okay. Uh, not that I know of. There are not any record that the 40 men died, but probably they did. Either that or they, I don't know. Maybe they were in the, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Good question. I don't know though. Um, rabble rousers. Yeah. You know, but, but that, you know, the sinners, they don't ignore They don't want to hear anything about this. They, they aren't the problem. As I said, Christians are our problem. People that come to our site say all manner of things that is wrong. The Christians, the people that call the name of Jesus are the biggest problems. Um, they killeth you thinking that they doeth God's service. Okay, so it's it's time to go. Let me close it with a prayer. And uh, my voice is about gone. Hopefully you got a lot out of the prov or out of out of the Bible study. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you did show us the deep and secret things and help us to understand your word. And Lord, yes, send us someone that would be a good monitor, maybe maybe a team of people that would be monitors um, so that we can, sad to say, get the tears out from among the wheat. And Lord, I ask you to send blessings, send your Holy Spirit upon the people, keep them in the days of trouble, provide for them financially, food, water, all the things that they need so that we can be rejoicing in heaven together one day. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll leave it open for a few more minutes. Actually, just, just go ahead and send me an email. Send me an email if you want to be a part of the of the uh, monitor team. We need to have several people. Prophecyclub.com. Also, I encourage you, encourage you to uh, join Prophecy Club with a membership, nine ninety a month. And you can do that by going to prophecyclub.com. Looks like we had uh, a good Bible study, a good number of people. We had, I don't know, probably around 100, 52 and 37. I, I don't know. I don't, 
my guessing is around 100. Wouldn't it be nice to have 100 people in a Bible study these days, 100 people in a prayer meeting? Remember, we had a couple of hundred people at a 48 hour, 48 hour straight solemn September assembly back in 2020. Okay, so I'm going to close it down and God bless you guys. It's good seeing you, good talking with you, good hearing from you. It's really, really cool to do this. Really neat. Blessings to you. See you next Friday, 630.